listening to the Miracle Word Podcast. We believe that the Word of God gives you the power to experience never-ending increase in every area. If you're ready for revelation that will take you to the next level, you're in the right place. Here's your host, evangelist, author, and founder of Miracle Word University, Ted Shuttlesworth, Jr. I'm very much looking forward to today. The Lord spoke this to me. I was praying this morning, and um, I'm going to teach something today. I don't know if I've, I've taught this on the broadcast before, but there's certain things that you have to do in life in order to see God move in your life. It's not random. You know, when you see God moving on somebody's life or through somebody's life, it's not random. God's not just uh, by lottery picking and choosing who he's going to and who he's not going to use. In fact, if that were the case, then Paul's instructions to Timothy and something that he said uh, would have been really meaningless if that's how God operates. And Paul said this, that in a great house, there are vessels of gold and silver and also wood and clay. And then what did he say? He said, you have to work or be responsible to keep yourself as a vessel of gold and silver so that you can be useful for the master in any situation. So isn't that interesting that it is our responsibility to keep ourselves as a vessel that the master can use in any situation, any circumstance. It's not the master who chooses that. It is the person called by God who chooses that by how they conduct themselves and the choices and decisions they make. If God was just simply randomly choosing people by lottery, then it would not matter what you did, right? Because God just decreed, I'm going to use them no matter what, and it doesn't matter what they do. But that's not what the New Testament teaches at all. In fact, it teaches the opposite, as I just said, that we are the ones that are responsible. In fact, that would be a great place to start. Erica said, I was just reading that last night. See, you were in the spirit. You already had a heads up on where we were going. Um, Can I read that to you to start today? Because this is the basis to understand what I'm talking about, uh, that we have a responsibility to put ourselves in position to be used by God. And in 2 Timothy chapter 2, um, I'll start reading with verse 20. So this is 2 Timothy 2, 20. Listen to this. Now in a great house, there are not only vessels of gold and silver, but also of wood and clay, some for honorable use, some for dishonorable. Therefore, if anyone, listen to this verse, This is very telling, verse 21. Therefore, if anyone cleanses himself from what is dishonorable, he will be a vessel for honorable use, set apart as holy, useful to the master of the house, ready for every good work. And then if you go down from verse 22 all the way to verse 26, it lists what it looks like to cleanse yourself from what is dishonorable. But the point I want you to see is it's the responsibility of the vessel 
to cleanse themselves rather than, now see people read this and they think uh, that I'm talking, I've actually had people tell me this. Well, you can't, you can't save yourself. You need Jesus to save you. Yes, you do. This is not talking about uh, making yourself a Christian. It's talking to Christians. It's talking to those who are already serving the Lord. And it's telling them that after you become a new creation in Christ Jesus, you then have a responsibility to cleanse yourself, as Paul wrote it here, or to walk in such a way, actually the Bible says this, to walk in a manner worthy of your calling. That's a good way to say it. Walk in a manner worthy of your calling. Paul said um, in, to the Corinthian church, he said, I have to put my body under on a daily basis so that after having preached to others, I'll not become disqualified. So Paul wasn't saying I'm saving myself or I'm producing my own redemption. He's not saying that. He's talking about spiritual disciplines that keep him in position to be used by God. And that's what I'm talking about. And today, I want to give you five decisions that truly will change your life forever. And when I say change your life forever, I mean that in the most uh, serious, impactful way that I could say it. I don't mean like, yeah, you'll be happier. You'll No, I mean like literally it'll change the course of your life. It'll change the course of your life. There is uh, um, a big difference between those that um, are trying to make it, trying to get by, trying to accomplish their purpose, and those that are doing it with force and momentum. Force and momentum. And of course, as Brian reminds us in the comments, this is our year of transformation. We've been declaring that 2023 is our year of transformation. And I've been quoting to you Romans chapter 12 and verse two, where the Bible says, do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Hallelujah. So we can actually be transformed by taking God's word and renewing our mind with what? The washing of water by the word. That's found in Ephesians. That God has cleansed the body of Christ with the washing of water by the word. And we can do that. And so here I want to give you five decisions that you have to make. Have to make. And by the way, as you're jumping on, please share this broadcast today. We want to see people flourish. I want to see people flourish. I don't want to see people struggling to make it, struggling to accomplish their purpose. But it becomes very hard and sometimes impossible to fully accomplish what God's called you to do if you fail to make these vital, essential decisions during your life in Christ, okay? So the first one, please put them in the comments, put them in your notes, and take down these scriptures so that you can see exactly the example uh, that, that, I'm, that I'm showing today. Uh, number one, first decision you've gotta make in your life in Christ is to say a full yes. And I'm gonna break down what that means, but that's number one. Say a full yes. Doesn't matter what your calling is. Doesn't matter what your purpose is. You may not even be called to five-fold full-time ministry. You may be called to do something else. 
but whatever it is that you're called to do, you must say a full yes. Why did I add the word full in there? Uh, in fact, if you look at my notes that I have written down, I had written say yes, but then I put a little uh, arrow in between the say and yes and put full up above it. Because as I was meditating on that, I realized that there have, there have been people who have said a yes to God's plan, but it's almost like a partial yes. And, and I'll, I'll show you what I mean. There are people that they'll say yes, but it's like they've got tons of backup plans. You know, if this, does, if this doesn't work out with God, if I don't, you know, if I'm not able to do the full thing God's asked me to do, you know, I'm, I'll always go do this or, you know, whatever that might be. And, they, and it's like they're halfway in. They're, they're trying it out to see if it's going to work. Okay. You can't do that. Faith doesn't do that. Faith says a full yes, a full yes. I'm all in baby. I am all in. You say, what do you mean by that? Stop trying to come up with plan B and C and backup plans. If the thing God called you to do doesn't work out, that shows that you're double-minded and unstable in all your ways. It shows that you don't fully trust that the plan God gave you is going to come to pass. And so literally, uh, you've got to say a full yes. You got to be all in. I remember when, uh, I mean, the Lord called me to preach before I understood what that even meant. You know, I was five years old in one of my father's revivals with an old preacher who was the pastor, David McIntyre. And I was sitting with my mother in the pew and I remembered that the night before, all the people in the church had gone forward to the altar to pray. And I looked up my, at my mom at five and I said, are we going to go up to the altar to pray again tonight? This was at the beginning of the service. And uh, it, it was already going on, but I think praise and worship had just ended. And she says, well, we're not going right now, but if you feel to, you go ahead. And so I got out of the pew and went up to the altar to pray at that age of five. Brother McIntyre understood what the Lord was doing and he called me over, he sat on the platform and he called me over to him and he said, some of you don't understand what the Lord's doing, but God's calling this young man into full-time ministry tonight. And I was only five. I didn't understand what that meant, but I knew in my spirit that the Lord was calling me. I got filled with the Holy Ghost uh, at five years old. I came down from my grandparents. Uh, we were at my grandparents in, in Rhode Island. And I came down from my bedroom the next morning and I told my father, Dad, God filled me with the Holy Ghost last night. He said, how do you know? I said, because I spoke in tongues. <laughs> he said, good answer. And so I was filled with the Holy Spirit from a young age. But as you get older, you have to make sure that you say a full yes to God. And so when I got to high school, you get to that place where uh, your guidance counselor wants you to prepare for college and they want you to make sure you're all ready and you have all kinds of plans to fall back on and all this. And so uh, she came to meet with me. You know, they meet with you uh, multiple times before you graduate. And she said, um, what uh, colleges have you applied to? And I just showed her the one application I'd sent into Bible school. And she was horrified. She was horrified. And she, she was looking at me like I was uh, out of my mind, you know? And uh, I said, yeah, I I'm just applying to this one Bible school. She said, one application? She said, what if they, 
because I don't think she understood how it works, but she was like, what if they reject your application? I don't think she understood that like, you know, if you have any money and a pulse, they take you into Bible school. But I said, yes. I said, I don't know. She said, but listen, (laughs) she actually said this to me in her office. She goes, what if you get, what if you start out preaching and nobody likes your preaching? (laughs) She was, she was nervous that I I couldn't, I wasn't going to make it as a preacher. And I said, well, that's going to be a rough, that's going to be rough at that point if this is all I've planned for and they don't like my preaching. And, uh, but she was just blown away that I would just put one application in to one college, you know, which I didn't even end up attending that college because the Holy Ghost changed my plans. But, uh, uh, yes. And I went to one, well, you have to say a full yes. What I noticed is that when people end up going in specifically in ministry, there's a lot of people they'll go to Bible school with the intention of, uh, serving the Lord in ministry, but then they want to be, um, comfortable in their flesh. And so there's many people that they never leave the city that they went to Bible school in. There's people they'll go to, you know, different places around the country, Tulsa, New England, and, you know, Columbus and Tampa and, you know, all these different places they'll go to Bible school, but then they never leave to go actually uh, pursue the ministry to which God called them. That's not a full yes. That's a partial yes. God didn't call you to go to Bible school so that you can spend the next 10 years as a, a server or a barista. He called you to go to be trained to then go and step out into what he's called you to do. And I think there are people that they really don't believe that if they did step out, God would provide for them. But you got to say a full yes. That's why there's a, a blessing in the Bible for people who have left father and mother and lands and homes and, uh, and everything to go and do what God's called them to do. That's why there's a blessing on that because it takes faith to leave everything behind and just pursue the thing God's called you to do. It takes faith to pursue your purpose and to pursue your calling. Even when it doesn't look like, uh, it's, it's, uh, necessarily, uh, the best move there, Let me tell you how many people that have not gone into the ministry because their parents talked them out of it, you know, so, well, you need something to fall back on. So I would, I would suggest that you first, you know, get a four year degree from a, a university so that you have something to fall back on if ministry doesn't work out. And then somebody tells them, you know, there's no really, there's not really any way to make a living in the ministry. So you better have another, you know, and <clears throat> they'll get talked out of it by somebody that has no faith. This is what happens. So you have to be ready to say a full yes to whatever God's called you to do. Be all in on it. Don't get a partial yes. Don't have backup plans. You know, when I was younger and I would ask every minister that I met that was older and had done it for their whole life, uh, I would ask them, if you could go back in time and tell yourself one thing uh, as a younger minister, what would you tell yourself? And though they didn't know each other, most of them, 90 some percent of them gave me the same answer. They said, I would go back and tell myself, find the thing God wants you to do and then do that one thing for the rest of your life. Don't deviate from it. Don't, don't go do other things. Don't, don't split your focus and go do something else. In fact, when I've watched people deviate from their purpose and call, it ends in frustration, sometimes destruction because they get off. It's a dangerous thing. Put this in the comments. It's a dangerous thing to become bored with your calling. 
Put that in the comments. It's a dangerous thing to become bored with your purpose. And that happens to people because either they don't stay in God's presence, they don't stay uh, filling themselves up and getting fired up about it. And so as a result, they become weary and well-doing, they become bored, and then they get off and start doing side things that God never called them to do. And then all of a sudden, while they're doing these side things that they they were never called to do, it shipwrecks them. It shipwrecks them because God's not in that. And unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. I don't want to do anything in vain. I don't want to do anything that means nothing. I'm not going to spin my wheels for no reason. I was telling Carolyn yesterday, we were driving somewhere and I said, thank God. But I said, I can't imagine. I can't imagine just doing something like we're getting ready to do without the Lord telling us to do it. There's people that start churches because they think it's a good idea. There's people that start churches because they think it's lucrative. I can't imagine stepping out to do something like that if the Lord didn't speak through prayer and fasting to do something like that because it's a step of faith. But I can't imagine just thinking I'm just going to (laughs) do in my spare time what people have spent their life doing. And and, and that's the key. Unless the Lord builds the house, they labor in vain that build it. Notice this. When Elijah called Elisha into ministry, Elisha was already in a successful family. He was already in a successful family. His his father was wealthy. His father had money. Um, And this, this man, Elisha, was the son of Shaphat who was plowing and, and he, was, he was plowing his father's fields. He had his father's oxen. And Elijah goes down to call him with his mantle to put upon him. And this is in 1 Kings 19, 19. So Elijah departed from there and found Elisha, the son of Shaphat, who was plowing with 12 yoke of oxen in front of him. And he was with the 12th. Elijah passed by him and cast his cloak upon him. And he left the oxen and ran after Elijah and said, let me kiss my father and mother and then I will follow you. And he said to him, go back again for what have I done to you? Now he's ready. Now look at verse 21. This is something I feel like people miss, but it has to be a part of your yes. See, because he was calling him to come with him. He was calling him to come with him. And the Bible says in verse 21, and he returned from following Elijah and took the yoke of oxen and sacrificed them and boiled their flesh with the yokes of the oxen and gave it to the people and they ate. Then he arose and went after Elijah and assisted him. So notice that he took the, the very thing that he was doing for a living, he took the yoke, the wooden yokes that were on the uh, oxen's necks, took them off, used them for wood to make a fire. So he burnt the yokes and then he slaughtered the oxen and he burnt them, cooked them. <laughs> There's nothing to go back to after that. <laughs> I mean, you say, well, we'll see if this prophet thing doesn't work out. 
you know, I'll just go back to plowing the fields with my oxen. There are no more. You killed them. You burnt their yokes. It's done. And just, I'm not going backwards. I'm not moving backwards. I'm not going back to how it used to be. I refuse to go back to how it used to be. I'm all in, in my calling. I'm all in, in my purpose, right? I'm going to say a full yes to God. I'm going to say a full yes to God. I'm not going to mess around in this. I'm not dabbling in my calling. I'm not dabbling in my purpose. I'm going full force in. See, God's looking for people that'll give him a full yes, that will not um, wander. That's a great word to use. That won't wander to the left or to the right. And a lot of times there are people that, as I said, if you're not careful, if you don't control your mind and renew it, if you don't control your flesh, then people start to wander. They get bored in one thing, so they start to wander over here. Then they start to wander to this thing. Well, maybe this will be fun. Maybe I'll enjoy doing this work. And they wander because they've not pressed in properly to the thing they're called to do. And so you've got to say a full yes. That's number one. Number two, you've got to say a strong no. This will help you. I've not seen more people taken out than by people, than those people who cannot say a strong no. Listen, this will help you. This will really help you. If the enemy can't get you to refuse to commit, he'll try to get you to commit to everything. Let me say that again. If the enemy can't get you to refuse to commit to God's purpose for your life, then he'll try to get you to commit to everything. And what do I mean by that? He'll try to swamp you in yeses so that you never can truly and fully carry out the thing God called you to do. It's dangerous to say yes to everything. I'm not called to do everything. I'm not called to do everything. You're not called to do everything. Please hear this. A need doesn't constitute a calling. There are many needs in the world. I'm not called to answer every one of them. I have to do the thing that God called me to do. And that's vital. That's vital. You know, I think a lot about this when it comes to being able to say no If you were to look with me in Nehemiah chapter six, you know, Nehemiah had the burden and the call to rebuild Jerusalem's walls. He he saw them broken down and he could not deal with it. Even the king noticed, why why are you downcast? What's the deal? You're, You're never usually like this. The walls were broken down. And so... Now that he's in the midst of doing the thing he has a burden to do, the thing he's called to do, there are people who don't want to see it come to pass. So notice this. There was a man named Sambalat, a man named Tobiah, and a man named Geshem. And then enemies that come, look what they try to do. Verse 2 of Nehemiah 6, verse 2. Sambalat and Geshem sent to me saying, come and let us meet together. At Hakafirim, in the plain of Ono, 
but they intended to do me harm. And I, they intended to do me harm. Look, trying to call him off the wall. I mean, don't you think if you were going to do someone harm, like, don't you think if you were going to plan to hurt someone, you could have thought of a less obvious place than a place called, oh no. <laughs> I always thought that's like, what's the deal? Go to somewhere else that doesn't like register in their mind. Like they want to meet me where? Oh no, I don't think I'm going in the plane of, oh no, but they intended to do me harm. And I sent, I sent messengers to them saying, I am doing a great work and I cannot come down. I cannot come down. Why should the work stop while I leave it to come down to you? Notice what he did. Gave them a strong no. Gave them a strong no. I'm not coming down. I'm not pausing my work to go do this. I'm not going to stop what God's asked me to do to go do something else. <clears throat> you see that? Trying to stop him. The enemy will try to put people in your life that'll try to get you to commit to other things outside of what God called you to do. And it's uh, really, it's not just a waste of time. Many times it'll harm you. It'll harm you because you're in the wrong place at the wrong time. Then you find yourself connecting with people you're not called to connect with because you're in a place that you should not be. And so Nehemiah was smart enough to give them a strong no. I'm not coming down. I'm not doing everything. I'm not called to do everything. That's right, Fernando. Distractions. There are distractions that we're not called to chase after every. Let me just say this. Every opportunity is not for you. Every open door is not for you. Just because a door is open doesn't mean God opened it. That would help people. Just because a door is open doesn't mean God opened it. Sometimes God closes doors to keep us out of stuff that we had no idea that we shouldn't have even been in. Sometimes when God closes a door, it's just as powerful as when God opens a door. Amen. Just because a door's open, just because there's an opportunity doesn't mean it's for you. I've turned down a bunch of opportunities that, you know, on the face, they looked great, but the Holy Ghost told me, no, don't do it. Don't do it. When I was getting, getting ready to get out of Bible school, <clears throat> I was offered a position to take at a church in the northern part of the, the central area of the country, north central area of the country, and it was good. I mean, for a kid that's like 20 years old in the year 2002 to make like $60,000 with housing and benefits to be a music director and praise and worship leader, that's a good opportunity. 60,000 plus benefits, plus a house to stay in, and to do praise and worship, which I had the talent and the, the ability to do. Great opportunity. It looks like on the surface. And that looks like something that anybody coming out of Bible school would like to have. An opportunity to go right into full-time ministry and making that kind of money. Oh, it would, but, but I heard the Lord say, no, that's not for you. Just because there's an opportunity doesn't mean it's from God. Just because there's an open door doesn't mean it's for you. Amen. And it's important to be led by the spirit. So you got to say no to the things that are not for you and a strong no. 
A strong no. Amen. Very important. Very important. Because the more you, the more right things you say no to, it's right to say no to those things because they're not from God. The more of those you say, the more opportunities you have to do the things that you should be doing. You say no to the things you shouldn't be doing so you can more fully do the things you should be doing. That's why the power of no. There are people, they have the hardest time saying no to others and it, it, it literally jams their whole life up and then they can't do anything. They're never free to do anything that they're called to do because they're running around doing everything. And I'll tell you, I did a broadcast on this one time, how if you're a gifted person, you get pulled on from every direction if you're a gifted person. So you have to learn how to say no to some things so that you can do the things the Lord's led you to do. You know, it's a great opportunity to show you this uh, about saying no to the right things is um, I was, I was looking at um, how during the explosion of uh, the church, um, you look in the book of Acts as the church is literally exploding and people are being added to the church every single day. And there's thousands. Now there's thousands. But there's a problem because there are those in the body that start to complain that they're not being taken care of like the other believers are being taken care of. The Greek-speaking Jews are not the Hellenists, are not being taken care of like the others are, and now dis- there's a dispute. They're getting, uh, you know, they're, they're getting their, their food distribution, we're not getting ours. They're getting fed, we're not getting fed, and all this stuff. And the apostles finally had to make a decision and say, listen, we're not called to be involved in food distribution. We're not called for that, but we are called to study the word, to pray, to fast, and literally to be ready to uh, minister to those that are in need of ministry. And so uh, let me read this to you. The Bible says in Acts chapter six, uh, now in these days, the disciples were increasing in number, a complaint by the Hellenists, that's just Greek speaking Jews arose against the Hebrews because their widows were being neglected in the daily distribution. And the 12 summoned the full number of the disciples and said, it's not right, watch this, it's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Look at that. It's not right that we should give up preaching the word of God to serve tables. Therefore, brothers, Pick out from among you seven men of good repute, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, and we'll appoint them to this duty. You see that? They're they're, they're getting all these complaints. We need distribution. We need food. Is it a need? Yes. Do believers need to be taken care of? Yes. Was it for the apostles to do? No. So you know what they did? They said a hard no. I'm not coming down there to serve your widow's food distribution. I'm not doing that. We'll raise up other people to do that, but that's not my purpose. That's not my call. And if I come down there to wait tables and to, with all these thousands of believers to provide food for all the widows and all these people that are in need, I don't have the time to properly accomplish the purpose God's put on my ministry, which is to make sure I have the content and the anointing and the ability to minister God's word to those that are in need of it. So you got to say a hard no. 
and then you raise up somebody else. That's the power of delegation. So number one, say a full yes. Number two, say a hard no. Very important to do that. Number three, look at this. This is the third decision that will change your life forever. Learn to separate yourself. Put it in the comments, put it in your notes. Learn to separate yourself. Hallelujah. Learn to separate yourself. And there's all kinds of things that you need to separate yourself from. And it's not just sin. Of course you should separate yourself from sin, but it's not just that. Because there are people that separate themselves from sin, but then they have all these relationships with people that maybe it's because they've had them for a long time, nostalgia kicks in, they've been my friend forever, and, all, and then they have these connections with people that are not of like faith. They're not of like faith. And there's friction because the people are not of like faith. And it, it, it's like the people are going a completely different direction than they are. And you're trying to hang on to relationships and hang on to old uh, connections. It just doesn't work anymore. Learn to separate yourself and be fine with it. How can two walk together, the Bible says, unless they be agreed? How can two walk together unless they be agreed? Don't allow somebody, because they've been in your life for so long, to continue to pull you in a direction you're not called to go. Just separate yourself. Separate yourself. Uh, Do what the Bible says. Beyond that, separate yourself from people that are always causing divisions among the body of Christ. Caddy people, fighting people. People that get easily offended, you know, pray for them, love them, but separate yourself from that nonsense. Separate yourself from that nonsense. You know, uh, that's not wrong to do. You're so judgmental. No, the Bible actually says uh, we are supposed to judge within the body of Christ. We're not to judge those outside the body of Christ, but we are to judge those inside the body of Christ. Paul said that. He said that. How can you call things out? even in love, if there's not something that you can see and the fruit, but you'll know them by their fruit, right? Paul said, listen, give them opportunity, warn them once, warn them twice, but after they won't listen to anything that the, 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 either their brothers and sisters are saying, those with witnesses are saying, that what the church is saying, then have nothing more to do with them because they're carnal and they want to see division. Treat them like a, uh, tax collector. I like that the Bible says that. If you don't understand that reference, very interesting that uh, the Roman government had set up shop in uh, Israel and were occupying Israel at the time when the New Testament was written. And because of that, uh, they were collecting taxes uh, for Caesar from the Jews, but they would recruit Jewish people to be the tax collectors who often were dishonest with the collecting of tax. And so when you see that phrase, treat them like tax collectors, uh, the Jews viewed those Jewish tax collectors for Caesar as traitors to Israel. They viewed them as traitors, very low, like the scum of the earth. So he said, treat them like tax collectors, meaning treat them like traitors. If you've never heard that taught before, that's the historical meaning of that. Treat them like traitors because they're supposed to be in the body of Christ in unity. They're supposed to be uh, as one. We're supposed to come and have peace one with another, to build up one another. But if you've got someone in the body that's constantly trying to bring division in the body, that's constantly trying to bring, it's like a cancer, it spreads, that spirit spreads. 
And so after they've been worn once and then twice, have nothing more to do with them. Treat them like a tax collector, a traitor. Because what you're betraying the unity and peace of the body of Christ. And we don't need that. The Bible says in the book of Psalms, how good and pleasant it is when the brothers dwell together in unity. We need the unity. That's where the strength is. And so you separate, separate people that, that always speak in doubt and unbelief. I don't need that nonsense. I'm believing for miracles. I'm believing for breakthroughs. I don't have time to talk to people that are like, well, you know, I know that's what they say, but you got to just keep it in your mind. You know, these, we live in a real world where real things happen and you know, you just gotta, you never know what's going to happen in life. And you know, I'd hate to see your hope stash. I hate that kind of talk. I hate that kind of nonsense where people, people always trying to uh, curb your faith. Well, I know you believe the Bible and you you believe God and you and your your friends go to that church. You're all, you know, about faith. I I hate that kind of stuff. If you don't believe it, fine. Move on. Move on. You are dismissed. You are dismissed from my life. I mean, I, I can't stand that nonsense. Yes, I'm standing on the word. Yes, I'm believing it with everything I've got. Yes, I'm pressing forward for breakthroughs and miracles. Yes. And if you don't want to stand with me and believe that too, you don't have to. You're dismissed from my life. Goodbye. Go be with others that want to be cynical and go stand with others that want to just be critics. Go stand with them and enjoy, enjoy yourself with them. I'm not that person. So if that's who you want to be, you're in the wrong company. I, I speak faith. I live faith. I believe for miracles. I believe God's word over the report of men. I believe God's word over what specialists say. I believe God's word over the news. I'm not, I have no time for that. So God bless you. You are dismissed from my life. I'm not putting up with that nonsense. I'm separating, separating myself. Let me read you 2 Corinthians chapter 6. Uh, verses 14 through 18. If this isn't highlighted in your Bible and underlined in your Bible, now's the time to do it. It's for every believer. Do not be unequally yoked with an unbeliever. For what partnership does righteousness have with lawlessness? What fellowship has light with darkness? What accord does Christ have with Belial? Or what portion does a believer share with an unbeliever? What agreement has the temple of God with idols. For we are the temple of the living God. As God said, I will make my dwelling among them and walk among them and I will be their God and they will be my people. Therefore, go out from their midst and be separate from them, says the Lord, and touch no unclean thing and I'll welcome you and I'll be a father to you and you'll be sons and daughters to me, says the Lord all mighty, right? There are people, there's some people, uh, no, it's true. Hannah, she said, some people are more concerned about hurting other people's feelings than they are with not dishonoring God. Paul of that verse is second Corinthians chapter six verses 14 through 18. And that's exactly what the Bible's teaching here. Paul's teaching that come out from among them. Don't be unequally yoked. Uh, with, with an unbeliever. Don't, don't be, you know, and then there's people like, well, you know, I don't want to listen. They don't care about, you know, saying little things to prick, you know, what you've set your life for mocking the Holy spirit, you know, mocking people that believe the Bible or even treating it like, Oh, you know, it's, it's secondary. You know, religion is not that, but you know, no, let me tell you something. 
I, I have no time for that kind of relationship, none whatsoever. And, and it's not that I don't love people. It's that life is too short and there's too much to accomplish to join myself up with people that don't have the same spirit of faith that won't, that they, they, they don't care about pleasing God. They don't care about honoring his word. There are people that have made the news and, and, and the media an idol in their life, literally. And this is really talking about idols as well. We're the temple of God. <clears throat> what do we have to do with idols? Nothing. There are people that have uh, made the news media an idol in their life. Literally, I believe there was, I felt like there was a time a few years ago where like there were people in the body of Christ that had accepted Dr. Fauci into their heart as their Lord and savior. Nicole said, what if this person is your parent? You still honor them. You still love them. I've had to deal with this. We're talking to people. They have children and their parents are unsaved and their parents are still living wild and their st parents still getting drunk and smoking weed. Listen, you can still love your parents and honor your parents, but you can limit that and set those boundaries. You can still do that. You can still love them and honor them and set those boundaries and say, if you want to see the kids, you can come to this house, but they're not coming over to your place where people are getting drunk and getting high and you know, all that talking, filthy talk. And I'm not putting my kids around that. And the same thing applies here. You can love them. You can honor them, but you can still have a, uh, a separation and boundaries, you know, in these situations, you have to learn to separate. You have to learn to separate. You, you'll never, you'll always be held back if you allow these constant relationships with people that are pulling back and trying to get you to step away from and encouraging you, use wisdom, brother. I know you're believing for that. You, listen, the greatest wisdom you can use is to obey the word of God. That's the greatest wisdom there is. That's the greatest wisdom there is. Number four, number four. Fourth decision you need to make is to have determined faithfulness and diligence in your life. Determined faithfulness and diligence in your life. This is a word that needs to be preached double time in 2023. Determined faithfulness and diligence needs to be preached double time to a generation of people that have never been shown what faithfulness looks like, never been shown what diligence looks like. You know, there's people that are expecting God to do everything for them. He wants you to do some things. Faith without works is dead. God wants us to take what he's called us to do seriously. You know, just because you're a Christian doesn't mean you don't have to work hard and hustle and be diligent in your work. No, the opposite. Now that we have, are serving God, the Bible says, let everything that we do be done as unto the Lord. What does that mean? Do what you're doing as though you're doing it for Jesus himself. So yeah, but I work at Burger King. I flip burgers at Burger King. You need to work at Burger King like Jesus is the manager of your shift. That's, that's what I'm talking about. Everything you do it as unto the Lord, as though you're doing it for the Lord. If you flip burgers at Burger King, you need to flip them and work and show up on time as though Jesus Christ is the manager of your shift. That's exactly what it's talking about. Everything I do, I do it as under the Lord. I work, I work, I dedicate myself to my purpose, to my calling. 
I'm not going to sit around and be lazy. I'm not going to sit around and just think, well, God, if he wants it to happen, it'll come to pass. No, no, no. I'm going to do everything I can do and then let God do everything that he can do. Amen. That's why the Bible, you know, even you, you book of Proverbs chapter six or the sixth proverb, you know, you have, uh, go to the ant, you, you lazy person, you sluggard, consider her ways and be wise. Even though there's no chief, there's no taskmaster driving the ants, they still do what they need to do in the summer. They still store up their food. They still work. They still build. They work together. Nobody's stopping by their desk six times a day. Hey, did you get those reports done? Hey, I've been still waiting on those reports. Where are those reports at? How come you haven't got the pay? Nobody has to like stand behind them like a taskmaster and make them be faithful and excellent on their job. And, and God's looking for faithful, diligent people. If you're faithful over a little, he'll make you ruler over much. Those, are the, those that are dishonest with little, they will be dishonest with much. Proverbs uh, 28, 20. Proverbs 28, 20. Listen to this. Who, uh, the 20th verse. A faithful man will abound with blessings. A faithful man will abound with blessings. Listen to uh, Proverbs 22, 29. Do you see a man skillful in his work? He will stand before kings. He will not stand before obscure men. You know what that means? That when you're diligent, when you're faithful, when you are pressing in for the best that you could possibly do, it opens doors. Your faithfulness opens doors. Isn't it interesting how when King Saul was looking for someone who could play skillfully on a harp to ease his mind, his troubled mind. Isn't it interesting they didn't have to go do a search throughout the kingdom? The, the people that were working with him said, we already know someone like that. His name's David. His faithfulness to, to go into God's presence and to build that gift, it caused his reputation to go ahead of him. And they already knew someone like that. Whatever it is that you're called to do, whatever it is God has anointed you to pursue, it should cause your excellence, your faithfulness, your diligence should cause your reputation to go ahead so that you're the person people think of when they're thinking of that. Oh yeah, I know somebody that does that, man. They're so good. They work so hard. They're so honest. You know, you know, whatever it is, diligent faithfulness, diligent faithfulness. I've never met, uh, I mean, we're living in a day where there's so many lazy people who just don't care about anything and then they feel entitled for every, they want everything, but they're lazy. They're lazy. <laughs> they're lazy. And you, you see it. I see it. Probably my biggest frustration, people that don't even want to come to work, they'd rather sit home and collect a check. Now, my favorite place, Taco Bell, I've seen places that are closing at 7 p.m. You're supposed to be up for the fourth meal. How can I even get a fourth meal if you're closing Taco Bell at 7 p.m.? Because you can't get people to work the late shift because they just want to stay home and collect a check. Now it's starting to affect me and my ministry because I can't leave a service and get a chalupa. What is happening when we've got people that would rather sit home, they don't want to be, they don't want to work. They don't want to be faithful. They don't want to be diligent. They'd rather just feel entitled. God, God can't work with people like that. God can't work with people like that. God's not looking for lazy people. 
God is looking for people that'll be faithful. <laughs> yeah, well, that's right, Gina. It affects the ministry too. Because if it's affecting me, it's affecting the ministry. Come on. I can't get a cheesy gordita crunch with a Doritos Locos taco in the middle because there's somebody a- at home that would just rather sit home and collect a check than they would to be faithful and work that fourth shift so that the men of God can have a fourth meal. Glad I didn't spit that out this time. (laughs) Jess Burton said, I've managed several hundred people over the last 10 years in a corporate setting. It's worse now than ever. They quote unquote, work their wage. Very sad, very sad. And then I look at guys like uh, in the, people in, in, in the comments, like, uh, like Jess, many of you, I, I see many names popping up, Ben Fole, people that just work and work and work. You have to tell them to not work. There's people, look at Leslie. There's people uh, in the comments. I, I know them personally and you never would have to tell them to work. You'd actually have to tell them to stop working. <laughs> Literally, you'd have to tell them to stop working. That's how diligent people are. I'm looking at at the Victory Tribe. That's how faithful and diligent the Victory Tribe. These are people you have to do the opposite. That's like people on our team. You know, on the the Miracle Word team. I have to tell them sometimes, listen, it's all right. Stop working and go rest. Just rest. Just take a day off. Just just chill out. You you, you know, you don't usually hear a boss saying those things. (laughs) Like, stop working. Stop working and just take it easy and just chill and do nothing. But that's what happens. You get connected with diligent, faithful people that are just uh, all in on the vision. And that's what, you, what, that's what it produces. It produces diligence and faithfulness, which God is pleased with and God blesses. God blesses. <laughs> Lena said, I had a team member tell me she's an individual contributor and she will not be on for a team meeting at 8 p.m. <laughs> yep. And so you got a whole generation of people that it literally cuts short what they're able to do in life because they refuse to be diligent. They refuse to be faithful. You know, let me, let me just say this um, before we move to this final one and then pray. When we're talking about diligence and faithfulness, your, your flesh will want to quit all the time. Your flesh likes inconsistency. Remember that. That's a fleshly trait. The flesh likes inconsistencies. The flesh likes to not do things that it should, right? The flesh would rather sleep in than go to work. The flesh would rather not have to do anything. The flesh seeks after pleasure, right? And that, that's a fleshly trait. You have to put the flesh under. That, that's why if you read, very interesting. I, I am going to read it before we move on to number five. Uh, when Paul's listing the works of the flesh, um, and the and the fruit of the spirit, it's always been interesting to me that one of the fruit of the spirit is not just self-control, which I talk about a lot, but also faithfulness. Isn't that interesting? But the, but the fruit of the Spirit is love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness. Isn't it interesting that that has to be a fruit of the Spirit? Do you know why faithfulness 
has to be a fruit of the spirit because the works of the flesh, the flesh doesn't want to be faithful. The flesh does not want to be diligent. The flesh wants to take it easy. The flesh wants to do whatever it feels like doing. And when you get into that kind of a routine, then your flesh when it starts dictating what you should and shouldn't do, then your, your flesh will dictate inconsistency. It'll dictate unfaithfulness. That's what your flesh wants. It would rather not be forced to do what it doesn't feel like doing. Whereas a work or a fruit of the spirit, that's why you're empowered as a believer. That's why believers should be the best workers on any job by far. Believers should be the best workers on any job by far with a spirit of excellence, a spirit of excellence. You know why? Because they have the Holy Ghost empowering them to be faithful. Whereas others are always show up missing, come up missing. Hey, where's so-so? They didn't even call in, just didn't show up to work today. I got to call him. Now the manager's got to call him. How, how come you didn't, you didn't even let me know? I had, now I had to get people to work your shift. I didn't even know you weren't coming. No. I'm not going to be that person. I'm the one I show up five minutes early. I'm, I'm, I'm staying after to make sure things are done. I'm going to be the one. Right. And, and then, because why we're doing it as unto the Lord, as though Jesus is my boss, because he is. And I'm telling you that kind of, that kind of faithfulness brings you favor with God and with men and with men. Amen. Christians should look different. I'm going to tell you something. As we go to number five, and by the way, number five is next level honor. Make a decision to live in next level honor. I'm going to help you with this. This, this is something that this scripture should rock your world. This, this, these two verses should rock your world as a believer. And that's why we have it as part of our Miracle Word Church culture guide. If you've not gotten a copy of the Miracle Word Church Culture Guide, uh, you can get one. We'll have them at launch, but we also have them uh, on the website if I'm not, is that right? Yeah, we got them on the website as well. You can download a PDF of it, but that's why we've included it as one of the things. Next level honor. Let me talk to you about something. This, this opens doors. Honor gives you access, but let me tell you, God, he blesses those that live honorably. I'm going to show you something, two verses that should literally rock your world. Romans chapter 12 verses nine and 10. Let love be genuine. Hate or abhor what is evil. Hold fast to what is good. Now look at verse 10. Love one another with brotherly affection. And then here's this last part that should get in your spirit. Outdo one another in showing honor. I love that. Outdo one another in showing honor. I'm going to say it again. Outdo one another in showing honor. <laughs> it's become kind of a funny thing uh, with, with those of my friends, you know, uh, even when, we're, when I'm with other ministers. You know, who's going to be able to get the check for everybody? And we do little things here and there uh, to try to get it uh, so the other person can't get it and sneak the check and find different ways. I'm going to pay for you. No, I'm going to pay for you. And I'm going to show up early. And I'm gonna... it was funny. I was with one guy and they kept showing up earlier and earlier. And uh, 
uh, to, to pay for the check for every meal, try to show up earlier and earlier. And then the guy, the other guy, calls the restaurant the day before the meal <laughs> and gives his credit card, trying to outdo one another in honor, trying to uh, bless one another in that way. Well, there's, there's levels of honor. Um, obviously, the first is to honor God. That has to be your baseline, right? I'm going to honor God far above anything else. I'll honor God. I'll honor his word. I'll honor his way. Amen. Before anything else, I honor God. Anything else. I honor God in every way. I honor God. So, oh, let, me, let me show you this. How do you practically show honor? I show honor to God. I honor him with my time first. He gets the first fruits of my time. He gets the first fruits of my time. I'm praying. I'm at his house. He doesn't get my leftovers. He gets my first fruits. Gets my best. Right? And um, I honor him with my actions. I honor him with my finances. Right? I honor God in every way. My time, my actions, my words, my finances. In everything that I do, he gets my best. Doesn't get my leftovers. I don't go to church when I don't have anything better going on right? I was like, well, you know, I don't have any travel baseball with my son this week. I guess we can make it to church this Sunday. No, 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 no. I've told this story many times. Even when I was on a state championship team in high school playing basketball, I let the coach know, even knowing how good our team was, I don't care if it costs me playing time or whatever extra stuff at practice. You'll not see me on Wednesdays and you'll not see me on Sundays, no matter what you do. I'm just not, I I go to church. I'm in God's house. I'm in God's house. Amen. I honor God. He gets my first fruits. Not when there's nothing better going on. Not when it's too nice of a day to go to church. We should be at the lake. No. God gets my honor. But then I honor my leaders, my spiritual leaders. I honor them. I honor them with time. I honor them financially. I honor them, you know, with my words. I don't speak against them. I don't, I don't honor them with my mouth, but my heart is far from them. Amen. And if, if you're not for them, I'm not for you. <laughs> you say, what do you mean by that? There's people that have literally, of course, you know, my father is my spiritual father. I also have a pastor and there's other ministers that speak into my life. If you're, if you're going to go around, uh, bad mouthing them, you have a problem. We don't have connection. Because that's dishonor. I don't live with dishonor. I separate. That's point number three. I separate myself, right? And so I'm not, I'm not hanging around that. And so we don't have connection. If you have that kind of dishonor on your lips, I'm not with you. I'm not with you. You've drawn your own line in the sand. I can't, I, I can't be around that kind of division or that kind of foolishness. So I honor them. I don't jump in. Yeah, I thought that was dumb too. I don't do that. I don't do that. Not, not to mention on top of my tithes, on top of my offerings, on top of my alms for the poor, I also set things aside every month to sow personally into spiritual leaders that are over me to be a blessing in any way that I can. But I set that aside to sow every month to them personally, not to their ministries, to them. Why? I'm honoring the leader himself, not just his ministry, him. Amen. God chose him. I'm just agreeing with God's decision. 
Amen. And then I honor others. I want to honor others around me. Uh, you want to see somebody's true colors? Look at how they treat somebody that can't do anything for them. Let me say that again. <laughs> Let me say that again. You want to see somebody's true colors? See how they treat someone that can't do anything for them in return. Do they talk down to those that are perceived at a lower level than they are? Do they treat them with a, a very rude? I'll let me tell you another thing. I went in, we're gonna, we're gonna have little handouts and things that people can have for Miracle Word Church to hand out and invite people to the services and stuff, but I'm gonna make it very known from the platform. Do not give these handouts out at a restaurant to a waitress or something like that if you're not tipping 20% or more. Do not put my card down on that table if you're some cheap Christian that goes in to a restaurant on Sundays, the ones that the waitresses don't want to see coming in in their church clothes because they've built up the reputation that church people are cheap. Do not put my card down. Do not put Miracle Word church card and invitation down on that table. If you're not tipping more 20% or more, do not do it because I'm not going to have a reputation in my city of a bunch of cheap people. We are generous, generous, hospitable people. Amen. Let me tell you, the, the place that I frequent here after church by my house, this restaurant, they all know who I am when I come in. You know why? I'm generous. <laughs> the, Tiffany was telling me that she went in to get a table because a lot of times we have a lot of people coming in after church. How many people do we have this last Sunday, Tiff? We had 15 people coming in. A 15 people coming into the restaurant in the middle of a Sunday afternoon. And, uh, I'd say, so make sure you get the table ahead of time because we're coming in. And they said, oh no. And so they, it's like they walked in like, oh no, Ted and Carolyn are coming? They, they knew us. They, knew, they know who we are. They know who we are. And they're ready to put tables together for 15 people because they know that we bless people. We bless people. And I mean, we went in uh, this last Sunday. I was just like, I was just giving money out to people. I get the hostess, waitress, bus boys, uh, you know. It's funny, isn't it? Isn't it funny how people's whole tone changes when you bless them and you come in, they run up, give you a hug. Hello, Mr. Shuttlesworth. <laughs> whole tone changes, doesn't it? When you're someone who blesses others. Amen. And we bless the waitress. She ran out on the sidewalk after we left to, to come give me a hug. She came run, running out. Oh my goodness. Thank you so much. Ask for me. <laughs> she said, ask, didn't she? She said, ask for me anytime. My name is Donna. She said, yeah, she's like, my name, and she gave us her name. My name is, ask for me when you come in. I'll always be able to help you. Yes, I bet you will. And I'll always be able to bless you. Amen. You know, I bless people. I, I had somebody disagree with me in the comments. I, I did a, a thing on this a couple of, I don't know, it's last month or something. And I said, you know what? I bless people. I don't care if, uh, I don't care if I get bad service, to be honest with you. I mean, I care, like I don't enjoy bad service, but I don't like then take it out on the waiter. Like, you know what? You gave me bad service. I'm gonna, I'm gonna sh short your tip. Like, I just bless them anyway. I just bless them anyway. I had, I had a guy, I disagree with you on this. I, I don't have to tip bad service if I don't want to. No, you don't have to. You don't have to. I'm telling you what I do. And I think others should do. You don't know what people are going through. 
You don't know what people are going through. You don't know if that's a single mother that's got three kids at home, that the husband is nowhere to be found, won't pay child support payments, and now she's working three jobs, uh, you know, and then you had to wait an extra 10 minutes to get your hamburger. And so you had you had an issue, and so I'm going to cut your tip in half. I had to. What are this supposed to be? This is supposed to be a place that brings out the food in in a in decent amount of time. I sat here and went. I'm not going to be that dummy. That that that's like, oh yeah, well, you know what? Now you're only getting ten percent. If and you ought to be happy. I gave you that because this service was terrible. Who cares? Get over yourself and bless somebody. Amen. Leslie said, last night, one person gave me a $100 tip on a $62 bill, all because I showed him uncommon kindness. Our kitchen was a mess, but I still was blessed. Yeah, just bless people. You know, me and Pastor Brian Tomes were at a a place one time, and and you could tell the girl was a little frazzled, and we just decided to start. It was late at night, too. We were after a Holy Ghost service. We just started pulling out cash and start handing it to her (laughs) and just start blessing her. She started crying. She started crying. Then we found out what was on her mind is that she was coming up on her school payments for her tuition uh, and she didn't, she was short on money and had her uh, semester school payments coming up. And so she's working extra and trying to do, but as she's coming up short financially, we just started pulling money out. I mean, hundreds and hundreds of dollars were just putting down. She's crying. Oh my God, I've never seen anything like this. And we ended up paying uh, everything extra she needed for her, for her thing. You don't know what people are going through. Just bless people. But I'll tell you this, Miracle Word Church members are not going to be allowed to put that thing down. Don't put that, don't let that get back to me. That you're putting stuff down on a table with, with your little cheap tip. And we're going to bless people. Amen. They better, let me tell you, they see us coming into a restaurant with Miracle Word Church shirts on, they, st- they should start doing a jig in the background. <laughs> they should be in the day, they should be in the kitchen doing little dance-offs when they see us coming in. Because blessing just walked in the door. Hallelujah. Blessing just walk. What am I? I'm honoring you. I'm honoring you. Why? Why am I honoring you? Because I love you. I love you. I don't know what people are dealing with. I don't know what they're talking. I don't know what they're going through in their life, but I can tell you what, when they see me come in, they should be excited to see me and happy. Oh, here come. And, and then I had a lady at the same place. She said, man, uh, you're, you're, I heard you're, you're starting a church up in West Palm beach. Cause we live about an hour from West Palm beach. She, I said, yeah. I said, we are. She said, oh man. She said, I wish I could get up there. She said, they got me working here on, on Sundays, man. I would love, you know, you know what the difference is? People say like, man, I, here come them Christians again. Can't stand those Christians. Uh, here they come, you know? And, and, and then instead it's like, Hey, pastor Shuttlesworth, I would love to be at your church. You know, I would love to come up and be where you are, you know? And then people running up and hugging you. Saying, brother, Mr. They don't say brother because they're not Christians. But Mr. Shuttlesworth, so I, we're, we're glad to see you again. I'm, gl- I'm glad you're here. Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. I'm glad to see you too. You, why? Because I love blessing people, and I want people to know: if you get around me, you're going to get blessed. You're going to get blessed, and, and that's the part of showing honor. I show honor to others. Uh, you know, I don't care. To be honest with you, I don't care. I've tipped largely on, 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 uh, bills where I didn't have the best. It wasn't like the best service I ever had. It was subpar, but I don't care. I'm going to bless you. You see people's face change. I went, I went to this uh, lady the other night. This, there was a pregnant lady waiting on us in Detroit. I think, I, I think Zach had left. It was just Alex. And, uh, I can, I can't even remember what it was. Our, our bill wasn't that much. You know, was, we had some stuff after church, but 
I asked the lady, I said, what's the biggest tip you've gotten all day? And uh, I just, and then we just laid it on that lady. <laughs> she was like, this is because I'm pregnant, isn't it? I was like, hey, just let the baby be blessed. <laughs> but people, listen, people need to be excited. And, and people should feel different after they've been around you. And then honor yourself. I'll say that. Honor yourself. Honor yourself. What do you mean by that? Treat yourself like somebody that is important because you are important to God's kingdom. You know, one of the reasons people don't take care of themselves is because they have a low view of themselves. They have a low view of themselves. They, they don't take care of themselves. You know, if you're a CEO of a, of a multi-million dollar corporation, multi-billion dollar corporation, you better believe those insurance companies, you're doing checks all the time, all the time. They don't let you just do whatever you want. If you're the president of a nation, you're not allowed to just do whatever you want. You just can't go through a jog through the city in downtown DC. You have, secu- you have security all around you. They're making sure wherever you're going, they, there's stuff going on. You can't just do anything. Why? Because your position is important and you should be the same. Don't, don't uh, dishonor yourself because you don't see the value in yourself. That's a lie from the devil. Honor yourself. Don't just honor God. Don't just honor spiritual leaders. Don't just honor others. Honor yourself. Don't, don't treat yourself like you're not important. Don't treat yourself like you don't have a glorious purpose and destiny that God put together for you, called you into. Don't do that. You're valuable in the kingdom. You know, there's, there's a man of God that died uh, at a very young age, dishonoring himself. Just look, look, just didn't take care of himself. There's been people that have dishonored themselves. They don't, they die before their time because they've dishonored themselves. Let me tell you, God has a purpose for you. God's anointings upon your life. And so you have to live knowing I have value in the kingdom. I am who God says I am. I'm not who the world says I am. Amen. You're valuable. Hallelujah. Father, I pray as they make these decisions, as they step out by faith and boldly do what is necessary, I thank you doors are going to swing open that are the doors you have opened for us. I thank you, Lord, divine momentum's coming upon every one of these families and individuals that are watching and listening. I pray today in Jesus' name you'd strengthen them mightily. I pray that the power of your Holy Spirit would come upon them in a new measure and let us see the greatest fruit we've ever seen in our lives. Miracles in March in Jesus' name. We thank you for all the things you've already done. We thank you for what you're about to do in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Hallelujah. Now that's the stuff leaders should be made of.